Welcome to Chat Your Own with Candy and Noodle, the monthly chat show podcast about all things now, then, and tomorrow. It's a little politics, a little art and science, and a whole lot of feminism. Liberal as fuck. I think we're good. Welcome back to Chacharon. I'm Candy here with Noodle. Hey, I'm Noodle. How are you? How's you? You know, um, I'm a lot right now. I'm a lot of things. It's the the wind is howling. It's kind of giving me the heebie-jeebies a little bit and muggy. It's it's weird. Everything is weird. There was an earthquake, which I didn't feel. That's the first earthquake. In a long time that I didn't feel, and I kind of, like, freaked out because we didn't feel it, and the baby wasn't in the room with us, oh, so, like, yeah. I was like, oh, my God. And what are we on? Day 417? So uh, it's a lot. I'm a lot. It's How are you? roughly 417, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm not quite sure. I'm, I'm going to say something about the way it sounds in here. It might sound weird. Um, if I hold it like this, it's better. Uh, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tired, which seems crazy because I feel like I haven't done anything. Um, I I don't know that it matters. It's like the the mental exhaustion of trying to hold it all together. And I read this article that said something like, you're tired because your brain doesn't have anything to look forward to. That was so loud. Did you hear that? That, I mean, I I look, I I think you're probably going to look forward to drinking that. What are you drinking, Candy? That sounds so magnificent. God, did I just find a new job recording sounds for commercials? What are, what are those called? Amzers? Miss? I don't know. What are those things called? I have no idea. The, the, the like, soothing sound effect things. Mm. Like, the, like, things just with all the different noises? I have no idea. Yeah, they're called something. Uh, Mercers. No, I, I'm just making words, but we're obviously going to have to talk about this right, we're gonna have at some point. Because um, you, know you know what I mean. The, like, ambient sound things where people are, like, scratching their nails and, like, the chick 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 Oh, ASMR. Thank you. ASMR. See? Pause. That's like a Mercer sound. Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't know what ambient. Oh my God. There is. So I'm just. I'm gonna vamp. This I'm gonna vamp for the camera. I imagine me tap dancing. Hey, hey, guys. Oh, that's way better. It was a little better. Oh, okay. Success. Excellent. So anyway. Success. Yeah. No, I feel um shut in <laughs> closed yeah. off uh, I, need, I need other people's vibrations I feel like I need you yeah. know I'm not getting that and it's upsetting yeah uh, we were talking about other people's smells it would be nice to smell new things it would be nice to smell and, uh, and and see new things it's exhausting looking at the same things all the time it is it is. Um, I just we just got the emails today too that uh, Comic Con is officially, yeah, out, which was obvious. But you know, it's just I mean, another it, it, like it's the right choice for sure because it's already like a petri dish of messiness. But imagine <laughs> this on top of it's already it. Already pretty sticky. And also, I mean, the other side is maybe nobody would go, so it might have been a better experience because only a hundred people will show up instead of a hundred thousand. But right, yeah. Ugh, it's yeah. it's 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 disappointing. It just feels like one more loss. 
it's every like you know every day there's another thing that you have to accept to just give up even if you know it and you knew it was coming it's still kind of a gut punch when it officially happens and it's important to grieve those losses because they're still, you know, I mean, big picture, does it matter if you go to Comic-Con? Right. No. But does it change the fact that it's something you're looking forward to and something you wanted to participate in and, like, have the experience? And now that particular experience of going to Comic-Con in 2020, it's gone. Right. And that's that's worth grieving over. Like, and, and, like anything else, it's... It's all kind of a, a process of this experience. And it's sad. There's lots of things that are sad. I'm, I was thinking about this. I was like, man, I didn't go to that Halloween party and I was devastated. And I cried and cried and cried. And I remember thinking, it's just a party. You're an idiot. And now I feel like that all the time. I know. Just every day, <laughs> all day, I feel like I missed the thing. Every day is missing <sighs> Jen and Josh's Stephen King themed Halloween party. My wig Every was day. excellent. Yep, yep. Kept I it. hear the outside is real nice these days. I hear outside's pretty great. It's pretty <laughs> pretty awesome outside. We uh, we do take walks. We try anyway to take walks. We're still doing that, which is great. Uh, oh my god, we bought my new desk excellent. comes on Friday. We bought a, a walk-in greenhouse. Woo! What, what kind of desk? Fucking around. Um, it is right. It's, Good for it's you. From All Modern, which is not a surprise. It's uh, it's got a nice cappuccino finish. It's large. It's uh, sixty inches wide. It's a wow. That's a lot of desk. It's a lot of desk. I I decided I'm not fucking around anymore. <laughs> I'm buying the big desk. Yeah, because you you have this kind of sleek, small. I live in apartment desk. Where now you're gonna have a big motherfucking house desk. That's exactly what it is. It's a motherfucking house desk. I I'm like lay it all over it. So I got, I'm, I'm penciling that in for the weekend, is lay on my new desk. <laughs> lay on my desk. That's a thing I'm going to do. Uh, we are talking about women this month. Uh, we're talking about Woo! women because women are rad. Uh, it's uh, spring and Easter and life and, you know, like word ballet. It's, it's funny. Uh, it was funnier when we were all going outside for Easter, but consistency is probably good for us. So let's maintain. Yes. Um and uh, we're going to do a quick, we're going to do a quick uh, lock in the F down check-in before we get into women and our regular stuff. And this is uh, pretty much just a regular check-in, but it's more like a random thoughts. I don't know about you, Noodle, but I am having a lot of just like kind of shower thoughts, meet deep thoughts, meet despair. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't want to be introduced to despair? Right. Just like random you know, things that pop into my head. I... I was thinking about, you know, I have a lot of friends, but not a lot of despair in my life. Could we just, like, introduce that? I could, I could cool. use a little, little extra yeah. despair. Mm-hmm. Um, my thought currently is that this feels to me like the polio scares in the 50s. Because, like, nobody knows where it's going to strike next. Right. Nobody knows if your neighbor is giving it to you. Nobody knows what causes it. And everybody is inside in the hot. Um, so that is what this feels like to me. Polio. That's pretty sad. I mean, I mean, sure, like the flu, but that seems like a very obvious comparison. I'm looking for outside the norm comparisons, and I'm right. going with polio pandemic fears. I think that makes sense. Polio summer. That's what you said, right? Yeah. 
And it might have been longer than that. Like, my idea of how that experience was is very much colored by books and TV. Oh, absolutely. But (laughs) that is what we're walking into now. Yeah. So that's a nice thought that's been creeping into your brain space. Um, I've had a lot of weird thoughts, but I did recently think about, uh, we talked about this yesterday, Snoop Dogg. Snoop Snoop Dogg. So I love Snoop Dogg. We all love Snoop Dogg. And recently there was a Kobe issue and he said a thing and there was a whole thing about that. Um, in the mix of all that, in the mix of him saying something about, you know, Gail interviewing Kobe years before and kind of some internet backlash and um, him apologizing at some point he goes on red table with Jada Pinkett Smith and like they he says his piece and they talk about it and he you know kind of comes to a center on it somehow it was completely missed that Bill Cosby in the process of all that tweeted at Snoop from prison which I don't understand how does Bill Cosby ha- yeah like how does he have a phone in prison well, they have, or is he in, using I, mean, I think you can depending on depending on your status I you know you have so much time for this and so much time for that and it's just like a library that has the internet you know what i i hope that if he is tweeting he's using a computer-based tweet deck and like a shared public laptop right somewhere. not like in his not, private he's space he's got like a fancy cell phone that's right. expensive and so on and so forth because no it's bullshit uh, but yeah, and it, what did he tweet to Snoop Dogg? He tweeted to Snoop Dogg, you know, basically a solidarity message, and uh, we gotta, you know, they're keeping us down. And then he mentions Michael Jackson in a weird way, and and Snoop posts this screenshot of this tweet to him and says, what? "Thank you, Uncle Bill, or love you, Uncle uh, Bill." We'll post the picture uh, at some point. That's so um, uncomfortable. And it just like why? And it just like popped into my head the other day that Snoop, he one hundred percent got rid of got away with that. He everybody was so shocked about, about the, the Kobe thing, right? With Gail over this the Kobe conversation, Instagram post like didn't get to play. Yee. So every now and then that pops in my head and I go, "Son of a bitch," because <laughs> I'm sad because oh, I'm still Snoop. sad about having to unfollow Snoop Dogg. So that's why it pops into my head. Because the second I saw that, I, I unfollowed. I think that's a reasonable yeah. thing. Right? No, be sad about that. That's that's a reasonable thing to be sad about. Cause I'm like, sad that I have to be like, motherfucking Snoop Dogg Snoop has too, so man. many good moments. Right. It's a bummer. I mean, you know, kudos for pushing the Beyond Meat. I don't I don't know how that happened. I don't, I don't care. Whatever. Fine. Push uh, it. Is, but like, is Snoop a vegan? Or is he just... I think, an opportunist. I don't know. That seems like possible. More the possibility. I, I'm not sure. There could be someone in his family, you know, that like loves him. I don't know. I don't know yeah. what came first, the Beyond Meat connection or the Dunkin' Donuts connection. Also weird. Right. Also a right. weird connection. It seems like it, right? That being said, I had so much coffee today, and it was <laughs> awesome. It was great. I had like four cups of coffee today. Maybe that's what triggers it. The coffee to. Dunkin' Donuts to Snoop Dogg, or Dunkin' Donuts right. to Beyond Meat to Snoop Dogg to this situation. Right, I mean, between the amount of coffee I eat and the fact that I always want a breakfast sandwich, that makes sense. You know, I just recently started eating breakfast sandwiches, and I have been missing out up to this point. Oh. They're so fucking good. They have been. We make them a lot around here. Delicious. Right, right. Uh, if I could live on breakfast sandwiches, like if it wasn't 
<laughs> really bad. It's the grease. The grease it's is the, the grease. problem. Everything else about it is fine. Right. The grease. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, yeah. It's not necessarily the worst for you, other than the grease and the frying. But the grease is really that's what, what makes, makes it, it tasty. good. Right. Um, so, do you remember those breakfast sandwiches that we had coming back from Comic Con? We come full circle yes. here. The Groompies the at uh, oh. Plant Power, Plant Power Fast Food, yes. which is freaking great. Which I stopped at on the way back from our Big Bear trip because mm. there was Delicious. or Idlewild because there's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's one in Redlands That's... now. Redlands, California has a Plant Power Fast Food. Delicious. I think I it, y'all. Anyway, um, so we are going to, we're going to get into that, uh, get into some women's stuff, and I think, though, we're going to start with what you're reading, Noodle. You know, speaking of despair, I'm actually in a weird reading slump. Um, I, one of my New Year's resolutions was, was to reread all the books that I don't remember anything about, if I like them or not, to decide if I do like them or not, and get rid of the ones I don't. And it turns out I mostly don't like any of them. And I've just been getting rid of getting like 50 pages in and been like, meh, chucking it. <laughs> so I I don't have any good book for what you're reading, Noodle. Um, I read a book for book club that I have a lot of feelings about, but I don't want to talk about here because my book club listens to the podcast. So I don't want to ruin it for them. Because they care about my opinions on the book in person. Uh, but weirdly enough, the main character of the book has really intense agoraphobia. And you know what's not great to read during a shut-in situation? Yeah. Somebody else's agoraphobia. Right. So I don't want to talk about that book. Um, so if you, the listening audience, have books to recommend, please recommend them to me because I am in a slump. Um, but I will say I've been reading Rebel a lot of really great books, and I want to talk about Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus by Mo Willems. Oh, yay. Um, it's about a pigeon who wants to drive the bus. I mean, it's it's pretty basic. Uh, he's like, the bus driver leaves, and the pigeon is like, oh, this is my opportunity, and he's trying to convince the reader to let him drive the bus. He's like, I'll give you $5. I'll be your best friend. Your mom would let me do it. This is going to be great. Let's play a game called The Pigeon Drives the Bus, and it's hilarious. And it's these really simple, like, crayon drawings, but this pigeon is alive. Um, there's another version of it called Don't Let the Pigeon Have a Hot Dog, oh, which I assume follows a very similar story of the pigeon wants a hot dog and is trying to convince and it's just so wonderful he's such a sweetheart he's written a bunch of books um but they're very engaging and interesting and funny and dynamic and and empathetic like you really think this this pigeon really wants to drive the bus and he has like a complete meltdown there's feathers everywhere i love it uh i was delighted just just yeah. by hearing about it so yeah I, uh, I'm, I'm into it. So no grown up books of any quality currently. Like, just, just screw it. Um, but what I will do is I will take a look at the best couple of books I've read over the last couple of years that are like lighthearted fun books that I'd like to recommend and counter it with horrifying books to read during a pandemic. Right. So I will post two lists. That is my commitment to you listening audience if you will come back and suggest to me some books to read as well. I think that's wonderful. Tradesies. I think that's just a really nice way to practice our new uh, democratic socialist society. Yay, giving. Let's give it a try. Giving. Uh, um, yeah, I have been reading nothing. Which that's is not a shock. I mean, I, did, I think I said this. Did I? 
did I say this to you? Or did I say, I might have said this last month, guys. Uh, I'm pretty serious about finishing um, Ganja Yoga, finally. Yes, I don't think no. so. I think you were talking about the back pain book. Oh, that's right, I did. Yeah, I'm pretty yes. serious about finishing this book. Uh, we, I think we... Bought it when we went book shopping like three years ago. Oh or yeah! Something. Oh for sure. Yeah, and I never. Uh, and I actually I bought a copy of it also for my dad at the same That's time. Right. I think. And I, yeah. I flipped through it, but I haven't actually like sat down and read it. So I'm doing that now because mm-hmm. like, I should take Excellent. care of my damn self or whatever. You got time, right? Now's the time to read it. Now's the time to practice it. Now's the time to practice. Now's the now's time, the time to, to lay on the floor and think about lay it. Lay on the floor. Yeah. yeah, which I've been doing in abundance. Uh, That's really good for your back, I think. It is good for your back. Uh, yeah, there you go. Look at you. Halfway to Ganja Yoga. There anyway. it is. It's also cool down there. It's wonderful. Mm, uh, bonus. We're going we're gonna to talk about ladies. We're going to jump into ladies, and I am going to start uh, talking about Chicks Man by asking you a question, Noodle. Chicks Man. Secret question. I'm ready. Give I'm me ready. I'm excited. one woman in your life, not a relative. Uh, who had a significant impact on who you are? Ooh. Uh, well, I'm going to say Elaine Mahoney. Okay. Hilariously, I wrote an essay in high school that uh, Elaine will never let me live down called My Favorite American that was about Elaine Mahoney. <laughs> sure did. She's making the right choice. Sure did. Um, it's, but, like, I mean, that, that's mostly for the funny part of it. Uh, but that aside, I have been incredibly blessed with a lot of really good, influential female friends in my life. Uh, Jess taught me a lot about being a girl. Uh, that would be Jessica Stack, who I'm sure is listening. Uh, Elaine taught me a lot about free thinking and like doing the things and having the adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am in- eternally grateful for, for both of those women. Um, and then, I mean you are wildly influential in my life. I mean, it's really, really hard to be like, oh my God, here's here's this person because I have been so blessed in my life with, with and God, I hate using the phrase blessed, uh, with my female friends. They're amazing. I mean, Kira is amazing and Jen is amazing and Lisa, good God, I would have died like 85 times without Lisa. So I'm just, I mean, it's really, really hard to be like this one person because I feel like we're all kind of a compilation of a lot of people and oh my god I feel so on the spot if I have missed naming you please know that you have made a big impact on my life it's hard right friends that's a hard Um, question I should have been and once I got into the like I'm gonna name all my friends and it gets harder um (laughs) now I'm I'm spaced out thanks yeah right I I love all my friends thank you you guys Um, But I will say in a like mentoring state rather than just like wonderful people who I happen to know, I, my first corporate grown up job, I had this really amazing mentor, Lori, who continues to mentor me as an adult, as an adult, uh, through my career and is a really great person to be able to talk to about my job which I don't necessarily have it anywhere else. That's wonderful. So she she's a That's very nice. she's a big impact on me as an as a grown up as opposed to all the people who like shaped me as a youth. Yes. I'm including I'm including all of you guys as my youth. <laughs> I think that's wow. an excellent question. That was oh, I'm so happy. I think that's an excellent question. Praise me. <laughs> I did a very, very good job. Thank you, thank you for helping uh-huh. me talk uh-huh. about all the uh-huh. people I love. Okay, that was fun. Uh, okay, so that's yes. what we're gonna do. I think we're gonna start out with uh, women we admire. 
women we admire. So when we made these lists, I was like, oh my God, I admire like 8 million women. And then I sat down to write it and I was like, I can't think of a single person. Like, what is wrong with me? This like total like, like who do you admire versus you just like know a lot about and so on. Um, and there's some pretty, pretty standard ones that we admire. And then there's ones that, um, you know, you kind of get a little bit deeper dive into, let's say. So like that, that kind of high level, like Hillary Clinton, Michelle Obama, um, big fans, you know? Uh, and then I'm like, well, but those are, those are pretty, those are stories that everybody knows, you know, those, those are people, people that we know about, like. Marie Curie, like we know about Marie Curie, you know, like, so I wanted to talk a little bit more about people that felt more, like, less obvious, you know, rarer in the history, people that are not going to be in your history books. Yeah, and and maybe more, a little more personal to us, because there's nothing wrong with the fact that we've all been touched, (laughs) a lot of us have been touched in some way by Michelle Obama. Yeah. That's okay. Yep. We we right. all admire Oprah, right. Uh, right? You know, um, but I think kind of there's there's slightly there's slightly weirder people on the list, and I don't mean weird like they're weird, but you know what I mean. But, uh, I would say less obvious, less obvious, less people. obvious people on the list is is kind of uh, who are your kind of like big big obvious ones, um, and then my we'll big talk obvious about some. ones that are like yes, uh, Jane Goodall is one of my mm-hmm. absolute favorite, mm. um, who I just realized. See, I feel like that's not so obvious. Really? I feel like that's, that's I feel like she, she's she got a subtlety to her, yeah. She does. Well, she's been. She's not flashy. No, she's been more around lately. Um, mm. and I don't know if that's just a matter of uh, she's purposely kind of using certain uh, platforms to, to get things well, done. There's a movie coming out about her on BBC America. Right. I think I messaged this to you. Like, it's it's now. I'm so so you'll watch that next. You'll watch that tomorrow. Right. Uh, so maybe she's been doing a little promotion on that. I think it's called Woman of the Apes or something like that. Well, that's that's fitting. Um, she she's also Walk has among the a, a show on. I think it's a Nat Geo show, but you can find it on Disney Plus right now. I uh, called One Hope. I think Ooh. or something like that, and I, I don't know if it's exactly. I mean, I can guess <laughs> what it what it's about and what it entails, but I just noticed it, it today. Is it apes? It's probably, about it's the, probably apes? the planet. Probably like y'all. Yeah. Listen. Yeah. Something, something about monkeys. There's this one thing we can do and y'all fucked it <laughs> up because Jane Goodall's probably mm-hmm. right. Yep. Whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want me to go? Should I go with my, my first biggie? My yeah. First give me your first biggie. biggie. Yeah. Whoopi Goldberg. Ooh. Yay, Whoopi Goldberg. Tell us about Whoopi. Um, I kind of feel like I have always loved Whoopi Goldberg like that's been a constant <laughs> like my life has always included loving Whoopi Goldberg and I think I I don't know what came first I assume that Jump in Jack Flash came first uh which is a great movie it's a gas 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 right? highly recommended uh I, I, I that had to be it that had to be the first time I really recognized Whoopi Goldberg because I was born in 82 Jump in Jack Flash came out in 86 I certainly wasn't watching her comedy Yet, you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> it's a little, little subtle, right. little subtle that for was probably it. But I love that movie. I love her in that movie, and I just, I just love Whoopi in general. I love that she's um, 
she's a comedian who was literally uh, the story is that Steven Spielberg heard about her show in New York had someone come out to see it flew her to LA and wanted her to perform her one woman show just for him which is creepy and she did um, and then he cast her in The Color Purple, and she was nominated for an Oscar. The Color Purple was her first real movie role. was her first what? role in film. I think she has one, like, weird credit for it. And it's just, wow. and she's amazing. I love that she has, I love that and she has this spark that he saw. Like she's, someone else saw in her that was not what she did. It's not. Yeah, the Color Purple's not funny. No, and she's amazing in The Color. I love The Color. She's amazing in that movie. She's, everyone in that movie is amazing. Um, hence all the Oscars. Uh, but I just love her and I, I do have um, recent favorite Whoopi moments because uh, I think my whole life it was her Oscars performances because she hosted the Oscars and she's fucking great um, but I have two recent Whoopi moments I'm going to share one season 20 episode 18 of the <laughs> Graham Norton show February 2017 <laughs> Uh, Whoopi Goldberg geeks out at just Keanu Reeves in general. The two of them, she just geeks out at him. Uh, it's mentioned that she could take George Carlin's place in the third Bill and Ted movie, and I lose my shit. Wow. Right? Her Whoopi Goldberg geeking out over Keanu Reeves is the cutest thing you will see on television. That's adorable. Um, second. Was Keanu, how was Keanu's reaction oh, on face? Of course, it was cute. Right. I mean, like, he's, sure. he's so, like, you know, awkward and, and polite and nice and grateful himself. So it was it's really cute. Um, the other moment is The View, which was this year in January. Patrick Stewart is uh, a guest on the show to promote Picard, and he formally asks Whoopi to reprise her role as Guinan on The Next Generation. <gasps> and my face Aww. explodes in nerd water. Did like, she cry? I cried. She cried. What? Everybody was so, so happy, and it was really beautiful. Uh, I just That's wonderful. I just admire the her career, the way she seems to carry herself. Uh and uh, she has her uh, cannabis uh, lady line called Whoopi and Maya, which we'll, we'll put a link to, which is cells who, and Who rugs. is Maya? I don't know who Maya is. She's um, just some, like, random person who just... I don't remember their story, honestly, because I've been following mm-hmm. them for a while. Um, but together they do a lot of... I mean, they, make, they do products for, um, to help you with your menstrual cycle, PMS products, body aches. It's all cannabis-based, wow. like female wellness lady lady wellness well done whoopee right it's very whoopee uh also she designs socks and i fucking love socks yeah, so as you do in 10 10 whoopee goldberg i like it yeah. that's a great one um i'm gonna mention a couple of my smaller ones and then do my first big one mm-hmm. um jane fonda right because we have not i mean i can't believe we've gone this long without mentioning jane fonda uh big big admirer of jane fonda uh, so my first like serious fangirl situation is going to be Vanessa Nadal, who is married to Lin-Manuel Miranda. And we all know that I am a obsessive, creepy Lin-Manuel Miranda stalker. But actually, I kind of like his wife better. Um, they were high school sweethearts-ish in that they knew each other in high school. And apparently he was terrified of her and like didn't talk to her until afterwards um, because she was beautiful and calm and he was loony um she is a scientist and she was working 
if for a makeup company doing anti-aging, and you can see that the things, the, the air quotes, anti-aging, whatever. And she stopped being a scientist to go to law school, and now she's a lawyer. Um, and so she's like, cool, I'm just going to go ahead and check the boxes as I go along. She's on LinkedIn like a totally regular person. Like, I could send her a LinkedIn request right. today. I'm not going to because let's not be creepy but i could she's just like on linkedin like a totally normal person um we're the same age she was born in in august of 1982 like she is older than me by a month and i'm like bitch you're a scientist and a lawyer i have really really slacked off here um they've been married for 10 plus years uh they've got two kids who are adorable sebastian and francisco um, and she's hilarious on Twitter. So her Twitter handle is Vamnit. So it's V-A-M-N-I-T. Mm-hmm. So Vanessa Ann Miranda Nadal. Oh I'm sorry. It's not Ann. I put my own middle name okay. in there because I'm in love with this woman. Because we're basically the so same. It, yeah, her, her middle name is whatever. It's Ariana. Um, but so she's just, she's just the best. She's real funny on Twitter. She spends most, like a lot of her time um, promoting STEM Women in STEM, um, environmental causes, philanthropic everything. Like she's part of the uh, Hispanic Federation that um, that Lynn and his dad spearhead. Um, but she's huge on women in science and believing in science. She's been so um, proactive during this quarantine of the like stay at home messaging. Yeah. And she also like she's so supportive of Lynn and she shares these like hilarious moments where she's super supportive of him, but not in a oh my god, my husband is such a star, but in a he's a real person and I'm gonna laugh at him all the time kind of way. And she posts some funny shit. Like, she, she's just, I think she's so great. I'm such a big admirer of her. And because she's so successful in her own right. Like, yep, she is married to the, to basically the toast of the country. Um, but he tells everybody that she is the reason he's able to do anything at all. Like, she is the, the brains behind his nonsense, the actual, like, reality to his fanciful whatever the place. Um, you know, they always say behind every successful man is a strong woman, but he is constantly like, nope, this is about Vanessa. Like, I'm just like, I will stand behind Vanessa all day long because she is the reason I'm able to do anything at all. And it's so sweet. And I just, I'm so impressed by her. She's always so poised and adorable. She, you know, she's a regular person who has been like thrust into the spotlight and she always seems to be comfortable with that and I can't imagine being married to somebody who's so wildly successful like that and suddenly like always being in the eye and that the whole world is full of women who are like oh my god I love your husband and she's like cool uh he's a sweaty nerd settle down um and uh and mostly he's got holes in his underwear and like (laughs) It's cool. Like, and I just, I think, I think she handles it really well and I love her. And also, I mean, we have the same name, so we're basically related. You might as well just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I love her. She's a big feminist. Um, and she's really funny on Twitter. Big fan. I appreciate when someone's personality is, like, you know, not grating. <laughs> right. Like, it, like, honest. She feels really yeah, honest. Uh, what's the word? What's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, genuine? Genuine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Genuine is a good I word. Appreciate that. Um, um, yep. I, uh, I have one. Back and forth. I have a. I have another biggie. Yeah. Well, a uh, quasi biggie. I have also uh, Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah. 
Yeah, tell us about Mary Tyler Moore. Um, I think I, I fell in love with Mary Tyler Moore as uh, Laura Petrie. I watched uh, the Dick Van Dyke show as a kid, and I knew who Dick Van Dyke was, so I, I understood um, how important he was and like how big of a performer he was. Um, and I, I think I was attracted to Mary Tyler Moore because of the character. The character Laura Petrie was. Uh, she was a dancer who marries a, a comedy writer who's the head writer on a big show and she held her own the whole throughout the whole marriage she was a partner she felt like a partner um, and it, you know there's other shows made at the same time where the family dynamic doesn't feel that way but the Dick Van Dyke show did and that's like how I discovered Mary Tyler Moore um, beyond that uh, <laughs> she, uh, you know, she was kind of she she screwed up in life. I I, I believe she had a bit of a substance issue. Um, who did who at right? one point? Please. Right, Every, you live in the public life. eye, like you, you do a thing. You do a thing. Uh, I, I I appreciate her um, never shying away from from that, talking about it, being open about it, and not letting it stop her from doing her her philanthropic things. She was very involved with. Um, uh, diabetic research and raising money. Oh wow! Uh, and also uh, protecting animals and like rescuing animals. And I just miss Mary Tyler Moore because she just turned the world on with her smile. No, sweet. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, my next big one is Kathleen Switzer, who was the first woman to run the Boston Marathon as a registered runner. Great. Um, and there's that very famous photo of the dick bags trying to uh, rip her bib off, mm-hmm. um, her number 261, and be like, get out of here, women can't run this, and blah, blah, blah. And she just went ahead and ran anyway. Um, her boyfriend at the time, some who was a big hulking wrestler guy, basically like body blocked for her for the whole race. Yeah. like ran behind her and, like, shoved people out of the way, which is cool. Or really, like, fended them off from attacking her. Um, She ran the race for the first... She ran the race in 1967. And it was a really, really big deal. Like, they tried so hard to not let her do it. Um, Women were not formally allowed to run in the Boston Marathon until 1972. So five years later, then they were allowed to register. So there was one other woman who had run it, um, but she had just run it unregistered. She just went ahead and ran. That was Bobby Gibbs. So I just want to make sure that we call out that situation as well. Because there's not a famous photo of her and so on and so forth. But she did run it just on her own. Um, So in 1974, uh, Switzer went on to win the New York City Marathon for, you know, the women's division. Um. She pushed to have the women's marathon be an Olympic sport, which went well. Um, she wrote a book called Marathon Woman. It was a memoir in, in 2007. She was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame in 2011. And she has a global nonprofit called 261 Fearless, which is, so, you know, using running to support women in their growth and leadership and, like, you know, empowerment Mm -hmm. and so on. And in 2017, she ran the Boston Marathon again on the 50th anniversary of having run it for the first time. Can you fucking imagine? That's crazy. She 
50 years later, she's like, fine, I'll do this again. Um, and they retired her number to 61, um, which is pretty, pretty fucking awesome. Pretty cool. But, like, just, like, the fact that she was like, I'm going to do this incredibly difficult, miserable thing of running a marathon. That's how I assume marathon running is. Uh, I wouldn't know, but I assume... And I'm going to do it even though people are physically trying to prevent me from doing it. Not just I'm going to push myself, but I'm going to push myself past you right. trying to, to stop me from doing it. Those images are pretty powerful. Yes. And, I, and, I, and that I think that one of image, the guys is like the organizer, right? The guy yeah, Jack the Simpleton. Yeah, the guy in yep, the Jack Simpleton who, who yelled at her, get out of my race. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, go fuck yourself, guy. How about that? Right. Um, and she tells these stories that every time she goes back to a marathon, she is surrounded by women who sob all over her. Who are so, she says, I leave with wet shoulders because women collapse in her arms to cry because she's so, like singularly enabled women to run. You know, oh, absolutely. To have the freedom yeah, to do yeah. it. Um, so she's been incredibly impactful. And so when she ran it that first time, obviously it was just her. But now women make up... Um, half if not slightly more than the marathon runners registrants consistently in boston and new york so it's a big fucking deal Um, and and as somebody who tries really hard to run 5ks i find her very inspirational uh you know it's it's i've seen this come up a bit over the last few weeks just because of i say few weeks i got no fucking clue last few (laughs) weeks eight years i don't know um just you know women and and things that are happening of course with the administration and and you know people are shocked that when oh it was when uh, warren dropped out you know people are shocked uh. and, you know i had a conversation uh, i i think i said something on one of ben eisen's posts <laughs> on facebook which was like there, I, you know there shouldn't be shock when we remember what was that night you said 1972 when women were legally yep. allowed to register for a marathon Right? Can you like? Who cares? The truth is, Why would that be a thing? I don't think that she could have her own credit card if she was married. Nope. But she could maybe run. What is it? Twenty six miles. Like, yep. You know, when you remember that these things are so recent, um, it's not a surprise that yeah know, things happen. That's. I mean, that's not within our lifetime, but it's almost within well, our I lifetime. Mean, my 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 dude was born in seventy five. Right. So we're, we're getting closer. Real real close. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're getting closer and closer to this stuff that wasn't that long ago. Interestingly, she, she married the boyfriend who body blocked for her in this marathon. Uh, It didn't last, but she did marry him. That's a nice story. Yeah. So, you know, she was, I guess, allowed to have a credit card. (laughs) So then she was finally able to have her own account. Yeah. That's great. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I thought that was a a nice touch it as well but he wasn't just some guy like he was a significant person right, who believed in right. her and supported her so i thought that was cool and, and you know what nice to know that there was a plan yeah because that's yeah, dangerous that it wasn't that is yeah, exactly you're, you're, she made a choice to put herself in a dangerous situation because it just wasn't right Appa- apparently when she registered she just registered as kv switzer right. And, you know, they say now, oh, well, she was used to, like, going by her initials because her name is spelled weird and so on and so forth. But, like, you know, who knows if that's really true. I haven't read her book. I feel like I should. Um, Whether or not it was, like, a very intentional I'm going to hide or if she's just like, fuck it, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. And not, you know, it's nobody's business. Uh, So I should read her book and find out. 
TBD, baby, that'll inspire me to like reading again. Read her book. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's read crap. It's not crap. It's exciting. It's exciting. Uh, You know, I just have no idea what's going on. Numbers or numbers. Letters are small. Yep. Yep. Uh, Do you want me to do the next one? Yeah, go. Okay. My next one, this is going to be my first uh, political one. Surprisingly that I've gone this far without a deep dive on a political person. Uh, and forgive me if I am massacring her name. Vigdis Finn Bogat- uh, which is definitely a not good pronunciation, um, who was the first non-hereditary democratically elected head of state of a country. And she was the fourth president of Iceland. And she was in power for 16 years, just like elected over and over and over again. Uh, The first time she won with 33.6% of the vote. And every time after that, she just swept, swept over and over again. Like she won 90% of the vote at one point, like ridiculous. Um, And and that was um, in 1975, she was, she first came into power. Uh, as part of the International Year of the Woman, um, Year of the Women, which was which was pretty great. Um, and in 1996, she decided to stop running. Uh, she was like, "I'm good. I've 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 been in power for quite some time. This is enough." Um, yeah, this is cool. Uh, and she, I mean, she was phenomenal. Like she's she was just a regular person who kind of worked her way up through political, like she was a teacher and then she was in poli sci and so on and so forth. And eventually like people were like, you should run, you should run, you should run, you should run. And she did and just whooped everybody's butt. Um, she was a big voice around the, uh, the strike of 1975 where 90% of the women in Iceland walked off the job. Oh, And they're like, peace out uh, we talked about this in uh the uterus is a feature not a bug yes. um so she was a part of that and she uh, she was the first single woman in iceland who was allowed to adopt a child yeah. that's phenomenal that's i know amazing. like what a weird what a weird statement but there it is right. um interestingly she was a big part of the anti-us movement mm. in iceland which you know i mean they were kind of like get out of our country was and she wrong? frankly right no i don't think yeah. so um, she she had a pretty great uh, motto, which was never let the women down. That was it. She was very singular in what she was trying to accomplish. I'm here to represent women. I'm here to balance out the, the inequalities. And she, she did a great job. Um, and she has honorary degrees from 15 different colleges. She has, like, whatever the highest honor is that every single country can give, she has from 14 different um, countries, including, like, she's been made a dame of the, you know, of, of your, right. whatever, the UK, like, that, those sort of things. So she's pretty well beloved, and she is a member of the Club of Madrid, which is a, a nonprofit association made up of uh, former presidents and, and head of states from 81 different countries. That is so cool. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's 47 countries. There's 81 members um, from 47 different countries. So, yeah, I think she was just kind of like a phenomenal, like, first representation. Right. Oh, I've learned yeah. so much. Yeah, I'm, I'm super into her. I wish I did a better job of pronouncing her name. I just don't know what it is. But, yeah, you know, I mean, she was the fourth ever president of Iceland. Like, that's that's a big leap. That is a big deal. I mean, that's a quick, quick jump mm-hmm. in a democratic system. 
to a female, yep. at least from our perspective. I mean, we yeah, right. <laughs> we have such a long way still to go. Oh god. Yep. Um, you keep going. Okay. Yeah. Uh, next, I want to talk about the women on Obama's staff. Yes. So the women who served under Obama did this really amazing thing of amplifying one another's voices. So they called themselves the Vagiants, which is hilarious. Um, and they essentially like made a, like a pact among themselves to enact shine theory, which is uh, a concept created by Anne Friedman, who uh, I've spoken of in the past, who's on uh, this the podcast that I love, The Call Your Girlfriend, um, about the idea of seeing your seeing women in the workplace as your ally and as your friend, and rather than pitting women against each other. So these women made the decision that any time they're in a meeting, they're going to repeat what one another says. So to prevent essentially like their male colleagues from stealing their ideas. So one would say, I think we should X. And the woman sitting next to her would say, I agree with Kristen. We should X. Kristen, that's a great idea that you had. I agree with Kristen. And really like emphasize the fact that the ideas were coming from their female colleagues, supporting them and redirecting the conversation back on those ideas to make sure that like they didn't get interrupted, they didn't get overshadowed, they didn't get discarded. And apparently it worked in that like they started getting invited into the meetings that they were having that they were being shut out of. Obama started asking the women what they thought and they were able to make some really significant like gender specific changes like having tampons in the bathrooms. They didn't have tampon dispensers in the bathrooms. Like what the fuck is that? So um yeah, it was it was really really impressive, and as a result, like women in business, in you know, have been enacting this policy more. You know, I've been very lucky in my career that I've mostly had female bosses and been on very female centric teams. But that idea of not allowing yourself to be pit against one another, um, uh, not having that mentality of scarcity mm. instead of a mentality of plenty, is just like. It's so inspiring to me, and it's something that I try and do whenever possible. Like, you call out the person whose idea it is and refocus it. So I loved it. That's excellent. Um, yeah, big, big fan. The crickets you, you get in response to that yeah. for me, uh, yeah. for all kinds of professional reasons. Yeah. All yep, kinds yep. of professional reasons. That's fair. I mean, I, I wish that that didn't have to be done. Um, yep. But it's, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely a thing that happens. And I, I, I like, uh, even just, just in a sense of you're going to be able to finish your thought because I'm going to make sure you get, it comes back to you. So you can finish what you were saying. So you can continue, you can complete your thought and your idea or whatever you're sharing with the room. I wish it didn't have to happen, but I love that someone was like, wait a second, we can just do this ourselves. Let's take yep. care of this because obviously we have to enact a plan for it to work. Yep. And they did. Like, they essentially, like, had dinners about it and made a formalized effort. It didn't just kind of happen. Like, they were like, here are the rules for how we're going to do this. And you have to have everybody buy into it. Oh, yeah. It's not just one person or two people. Like, you have to say to somebody, are we on the same team? Yeah. You have to call out the situation and say, I want to be on your team. Do you want to be on mine? 
Yeah. And they just, they just did it. They stood together and it was effective and I love it. It makes me very happy. It does make me happy. It feels good. Yep. To know that there's people out there doing it. Right. Um, and my last one, unless do you have one more you want to fill in? No, you go. No, because I know okay. your last one is, right? Yeah, yeah. My last one is, I know it's silly and it's, you know, but I'm not, like, I'm not even sorry. It's Courtney yeah, Love. Yeah, silly. I, I love Courtney Love. I do Love. too. I do for a lot of reasons, but mainly, I mean, at the end of the day, Courtney Love insists on coming back. She has picked herself off the floor over and 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 over again and just is like, okay, we're just going to keep doing it. She's so unapologetically determined to survive. And, you know, that's not to say that she's not apologetic sometimes, but she's always determined to survive. So born in 1964, Courtney Harrison, she was raised by, like, hippy-dippy weirdos and shuttled back and forth between her biological parents and her step-parents and then like she was in the UK for a little she's like all over the place growing up in uh Washington and New Zealand and she was in Ireland for a while and she came back and she was in Seattle and she was in Oregon like she's all over the place um through all of these like weird unfortunate circumstances that just spiral out of control mostly based on her own like terrible behavior which again, she's unapologetic, unapologetic about because, like, who is who wasn't a fucked up kid? Yeah. Um, she uh, she was in Sid and Nancy in 1986. Um, she formed Hole in 1991 after a series of like other bands. She was in eight thousand bands. Mm-hmm. She was in the Sugar Baby Dolls. She was in a band called Pagan Babies. Um, for a hot minute, she was in Faith No More. Oh, that's so funny. Would, right? That's a big deal. Um, she just continued to, like, be in the room where things were happening. And I don't know if it's her making things happen or if she just had, like, a knack for for finding the right situation, right. finding the right scene, she, and just being a part of it. Um, she, was a, she was a stripper for a while mm-hmm. uh, in Japan, which is super random. Uh, she worked at Jumbo's Clown Room, which is, we all know, the most fun strip club in Los Angeles. Yeah. If you haven't been to Jumbo's Clown Room and you live in Los Angeles, when all of this is over, you should absolutely fucking go to Jumbo's Clown Room. It's the best. Um, It is unknown when she and Kurt Cobain formally met. There's been, like, there's a lot of different stories about it. Sometime between 1989 and 1991, they met and obviously uh, fell in love. Did a lot of heroin. And it was a whole thing, but that's okay. Uh, She formed Hole in 1991 and there was all of this controversy around it because people were like, oh, Kurt wrote all of her songs and this, that, and the other. And, like, fuck everybody who thinks I mean, that. Like, still that's, can't get away from it. Right. It's just, I mean, to stand, to, to be as creative and powerful and, like, talented as she is and to have people consistently, like, try and take that away from her and her just be like, absolutely not. And her repeatedly uh, say, fuck you, and also, like, yeah. that doesn't change the way I feel about this person. Yeah, she's so so brave every time. And, you know, when Kurt died, she was probably the most hated person in the world. I mean, a lot of people still Not just, like, yeah, yeah, not just in America, not just in her own town. You know, you think, oh, I can leave town. Like, the whole world blamed her for Kurt Cobain's death. And so to, to deal with the extreme grief of losing your partner and then 
everybody thinking, like, everybody actively, like, right. saying to your face, this is your fault. Not, like, secretly, oh, maybe, like, people, like, accused her of murder in yeah. public to her face all the time. And she very famously read his suicide note, like, over the air to his fans. Uh, and it was awful. It was so, like, the, the recording of it is, like, the most viciously upsetting thing where she's, like, railing at him and telling the story. And it's like, you want heroin? Fucking fine. Why didn't you just do heroin? Why did you have to try and stop doing heroin? The, if your choice was do heroin or die, like, do heroin. Like, it's just, I mean, it's it's really deeply upsetting. And yet she survived this, like, ugly public awfulness. Mm. And got herself back together and went on to be incredibly successful over and over and over again. I yeah. mean, The People versus Larry Flint. Like, that movie alone, if she did nothing else, that movie alone is such a tour de force. And she didn't just do that. She did a no. million other things. Um, she was consistently on the 100 most list, you know. In 1995, she was the 100 most fascinating people. Um, she's on, like the hundred most fascinating women in the world, you know, those, all of those sort of lists, like she's on all of them. Uh, most influential alt rock person. Um, and there's this great quote about her. They're like, yeah, you know, Courtney, she's a mess and blah, blah, but who fucks up better? Like she just completely owned the situation and was like, okay, you you know, if, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna be a disaster, I'm gonna be the best disaster that I could possibly be and continue to be successful about it. She's hugely philanthropic, um, LGBT causes, uh, Am- Amfar and like the, that red parentheses, uh, campaign. Yeah. She, huge amounts of money. Um, the only time she and Kurt ever performed together publicly was in 1993 at a Rock Against Rape concert. Like, she was consistently a feminist, mm-hmm. um, aggressively feminist. And so was he. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in a way that, that really they complimented one another on it. Um, and, you know, she she talks about herself, and she says, you know, people always thought it was like, ooh, this, like, Madonna horror thing, blah, blah. And she's like, actually, I was just being ironic. My angle was irony. And I think that's that's pretty hilarious. It is pretty hilarious. Um, if you follow her Instagram, just, it's pretty great. Yeah, I mean, she is all over the place. She is, but in this She's all over the like, place. Again, there's like yeah. a spark about her. Yeah, this positivity. Yeah. It, you know, with, whether or not she's she's still doing drugs or not doing drugs, like who knows? I don't think she is. And, I think know, she's been sober for a while, and she talks about it pretty pretty openly. Which is also admirable. Yeah, I mean, I I hope I hope so. I hope I hope that those are that those are yeah the realities of the situation but frankly like i just i admire how much of a survivor she is that she just refused to allow the world to tell her who she had to be oh i like that so big fan big fan courtney love big fan yeah always courtney love yeah uh there's this great book um, the unauthorized biography of Courtney Love, Queen of Noise by Michelle Rossi that I love and I've read like 140 times and that's where some of like the good stories that I know about her are. I should, I should read that. Um, I should yeah, it's a, good, that. it's a good read. And it's funny because it's an unauthorized biography but she's interviewed in it like consistently and throughout it she's like, well, maybe I'll authorize it. Uh, I don't know. We'll see how it turns out and I'll tell you whether or not I want to authorize it. But like, good for you, mom. You know, tell... Make sure it's your story that's right. being told. Right. Oh, that's a really good, if anything, as in our, our chicks, little little talk about chicks here. That's a really good thing to step away from it with. 
Mm-hmm. Make sure it's actually that's your story. Good. Yeah, I like it. Aww. I like it. That's a good. That's a good wrap. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Yeah, I did. I had a, a hard time, and I, I, I think I'm the one who was like, "Women, we admire. Let's talk about it." And then I went to write my stuff down, and it was just like nothing. It was like snow, <laughs> and that was really. <laughs> scary and then sad and then my first ideas or the first thing that popped into my head were fictional characters and that was like also sad who who was a fictional character that you admired uh the first one was anita blake uh, written by laurel k hamilton uh-huh. uh, anita blake is a uh well she's a necromancer by by nature uh, As you do. And she lives in a world where they, um, that the, the supernatural is a part of the regular world. There's a, a, a preternatural police force, there's werewolves and vampires and shapeshifters and all kinds of things. And necromancy is a, a thing that's normal. And there's actually a, a company called Animators Inc. And she works for Animators Inc. And you can go have someone raised from the dead if, like, you know, there's a dispute over their will. Uh, and talk to them, you know, for, for for five minutes or whatever. Who did it's, you want to have your money? Right. It's the, but it's the actual like story of necromancy and that kind of zombie, which you don't get anymore. Granted, the first book was written like fifteen years ago, um, maybe even more now because I'm old. But uh, yeah, but she's just she, you know she's this small petite woman who's who's also like filled with death magic and like she like contracts out to kill the vampires are afraid of her and they call her the executioner like it's a big deal that was the first thing that popped into my head <laughs> so i like it it's been a rough couple you of are who you are <laughs> yeah you are who you are and one of, one of the things that I struggled with when I was writing this was I wrote my list and I was like man everybody on this list is white so let's fix that and I, yeah. I feel like I had to do some work to put more women on my list that weren't white. And I was like, that sucks. You know, and some of that is a product of the environment that we live in and the history that's taught to us. And, you know, uh, just the bubbles that we live in. And I was like, I need to do better on this. That's that's a real thing. It's a real thing. It's, um, and we can talk about this more so in another uh, episode, right. I mean, we could talk about this forever. We really could because there's so many facets to it. Because I, you know, I've, I've got that story out that I wrote recently that I wrote a long time ago, and there have been lots of changes in that story uh, to the characters. One of the things I discovered in writing this story years and years ago um, was how my my personal character Blank was always a white man, not for any reason. Other than if you say you're going to write a new character, that's what pops into my head because that's the majority yep. of what I see um, mm-hmm. and, and kind of how writers and creators need to get away from that idea of, well, you know, that purest thought process of everything you create, the, the way it pops into your head, the first time it pops into your head is the way it's meant to be and you shouldn't manipulate your material that way. Um but no, the reality is you need to learn more about why that is the way that your your brain creates things and push around it because unless we make those changes, those characters aren't going to be seen. It's it's unnecessary. We have to change the way we think. Um, I absolutely agree. Yeah, I think so. Same thing that happened here. Not only did I first think of fictional characters, they were all white. <laughs> they were white, not real people. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of a good fictional character that I really... Uh, admire, um, and it's funny because I keep thinking about Laura Ingalls Wilder, but then I realize she's a real person. She's a real person. So I don't know if that counts. So I'm gonna go and say Joe March. Right. 
Right. Because Little Women and call it a day there. And you loved New Little Women, right? Oh, my God. I loved it so and much. And that's um, Trisha Ronan plays. Yes. Right? She's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. I loved it so much. I do love it. It's her. just perfect. The costuming. The, costuming. the acting. It was just perfect. I loved it. Felt fresh and new. And you know what? I just I could talk about this for a while, so I'm not going so to. So let's not fall um, down the uh, yeah, little but women rabbit hole. Let's, yeah. <laughs> the immense <laughs> maze of conversation. Using this idea of entertainment <laughs> um, and the film industry, let's segue to great moments in women's history in books, films, TV, specifically about boobs. Specifically about because boobs. Because everybody likes boobs. Right, because let's talk about boobs, man. Tell me tell me your best female boob moments. Okay. Huh. I'm going to give you my three. Uh, one, uh, New Girl, Jess and Cece. I will find the actual episode of this, but they get into an argument. You know, they're best friends forever. They get into an argument. And you know the old gag where, like, someone's going to slap you in the face and then you're going to slap them back and you're going to slap each other? This gag was like that, except they were slapping titties. And it was fucking great. <laughs> I think I actually watched it and immediately texted Jess. I'm like, have you seen this? Because this is us. If I had to, I would smack you right in the titty. Respectfully, I wouldn't actually hurt your booby. Sure. But it was a boop, 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 Nice that it's respectful. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Uh, second, uh, the movie Half-Baked. Uh, there's a moment when all the guys in the movie go and they're actually... Um, kind of fighting a big group of ragtag ninja chick warriors um, who are like bodyguards and they're all fighting and the scene is crazy and then uh, oh I don't remember which character it is right now but then one of them goes and everything stops and he goes oh damn girl your titty and there was one big her boob popped out of her shirt and all the craziness and everybody stops and everybody looks and then it continues uh, uh, oh shit your titty is a very uh, common thing that I say with like Marissa and Katie <laughs> Don't damn your titty. because sometimes they fall out they do and you know what my response to that now is oh shit your titty yeah uh, three three is the uh, Kate McKinnon uh, and Ryan Gosling the SNL abduction episode uh, which I think was the first one in this group oh of characters. God. I think that was the first oh one. Oh, my God. Um, I love, love, love uh, that particular skin. When she is talking about them hitting her boobies and how she thinks that one wasn't really, wasn't on the up and up. There was a guy <laughs> watching down the hall making sure that everyone can go in, but they were real respectful about it. <laughs> yeah, those are my three favorites. What do you got? Oh, God. Um, wrote the... Zeffirelli, Romeo and Juliet. Right. Um, when Olivia Hussey appears, I might be mispronouncing her name, with these enormous breasts. And she's supposed to be 14. And actually, it turns out she was 15. She just had these spectacular breasts. And I, you know, I remember watching it in class and thinking, yeah, I'm just never going to look like that. Like, there's no universe where I grow boobs like that. Um, and they are magn- they're so magnificent that they are, like, pull focus from the story magnificent. Um, and she's wearing the long diaphanous nightgown and it's just, like, boobs. And I, I don't know that I paid any attention to the film itself because I was just, like, thinking 
I'm, is, is that is that what I'm supposed to look like when I'm 14? Because I'm real close to 14 and I don't see that happening. And I did not look like that until I was way older. And frankly, I don't know that I ever did. They were moundy. Yeah. That's yeah, that's that's moundy. that's my only real good boob story. Although in 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 that vein, the idea of moundy pushed up corseted boobies. Um, oh no no no! They they were not corseted. They weren't. Um, no, because it's the nightgown scene. Oh, the nightgown scene specifically the, yeah, is what the nightgown gave me scene to specifically. Think. Yeah, no, it's it's like a my. it's this very like almost Victorian like but low cut like it's just yeah it's just like a very specific moment where there's lots of lace edging. It's the lace edging, and it's the glimpse yeah. of the boob. It's the boob glimpse. Yep. Yeah, oh it was. It was very. It was very serious. Uh, very serious. It was not a funny moment, but it was an right. impactful. It was moment. A, a, a memorable moment. Yes, uh, I do love the. That made made me think of um, season three of Buffy. I believe the episode is called Doppelgang Doppelgangland. Um, nope, that's a different one. Anyway, there's another world, and like Evil Willow comes out, and she's a vampire, and she wears leather, and like her her boobs are out all the time. And then, of course, Good Willow has to switch spots with her for some crazy antics. And uh, she puts her clothes on, and Willow looks down and goes, ooh, look at those. <laughs> That's a good one. We've all had that and moment you, at least once in our life. At least once. You put on whatever it is, and you don't realize your boobs can actually get that close to your face. Yeah. Until like, oh my. they're basically in you rest, your mouth. And you rest your chin on them just a Which, little bit. Which, honestly, though, is cozy. Yeah. I mean, they, they are soft. <laughs> They are so. Speaking of, I would like to discuss bra fitting real quick. Uh, Have you ever been properly fitted? No. Uh, I've done like the Victoria's Secret version and like it's not any good. So do you know the formula? Uh, I don't. I don't know anything about bra fitting. (sighs) Bras are ridiculous. Um, Yes. And uh, I've been doing a whole bunch of not wearing any, uh, (laughs) which is (laughs) great. I, I have been wearing a nursing bra for what feels like the darn of time. Because I think I put one on at like four months pregnant because my boobs had gotten ridiculous with the the pre, pre-milk pre and then the milk. And I just, I don't remember the last time I wore a real one. Yeah. And that makes me sad because I'm going to have to start wearing them again. <laughs> no, it's all, and it's all brand new. Now it's all mm-hmm. brand new. You get to start all over. Your formula's going right? to be Because who knows? You know going to be different. Um, Who knows? The formula is, so this is how you are supposed to fit yourself, measure yourself, uh, to buy a bra. Uh, first, you take your band, get your band number, which is um, just under the breast, breast, the breast around your rib cage. That is, and if it's a half number, you round up to the nearest hole. Uh, your cup measurement, you measure around your rib cage and are over the largest part of the breast that gives you your bust size now you take your band size which is your first measurement and you subtract it from the bust size and the difference correlates to your cup size i.e wow yeah, one difference so if let's say um if your band size is 30 um and your bust size is you know, whatever. You subtract those two numbers. So if you get a two, two is a size B if it's too huh. different. So that seems right. like a good science. So you're 30 here and you're, you know, whatever yeah. here, the difference is two, then you should have a 30 B bra. Ah. Yes. 
there's a interesting. two and a subtra- there's a whole subtraction situation. Now some places, of course, because women's clothing is ridiculous, some places have their own chart that'll yeah, say, but also like, like fuck those places. And it's basically just like standardized. Like, right, they're basically saying like it might be a little too big or a little too small because not everybody's the same size. But instead, they're trying to like make a chart that makes you find a place where you fit into like the box. Uh huh. I feel like fuck the box, man. Let's stop wearing bras. Yeah, let's just throw them out entirely. It's demi bras forever, bralettes, bralettes for for life. I do like the Mm bralette. I did one time. I um, for Jess's wedding, I almost had a one piece made. So we went and met with somebody. this woman was like asking me about my bra and she, she, you know, she's a seamstress forever. So she could see just by looking at my, my bra and my back fat, I assume that I wasn't wearing my bra correctly. She's like, what, what are you, what's going on she's here? Like, what are you doing? And I, I told her and she goes, you know, you're supposed to wear that here. Your band should be wherever because it's supporting this, not that. And I was like, yeah, but, the, but if I put it here, then I, it's not covering my back fat. Like it's not holding that roll. <laughs> Just that's not what it's for, and I was like, "Fuck you, lady!" And that was it. Uh, I could see how she'd be reluctant yeah, to take your money right. after you tell her to go after fuck I was herself. Like, fuck you, lady. Um, but yes, that was the closest I came to being properly fitted. <laughs> I I feel like that's that's probably worth doing. Like, totally. you know, six months from now, when when we feel better about going outside, Can we let strangers touch uh, us again? maybe yeah, yeah maybe maybe we try that out maybe we have a we have a bra fitting adventure yeah. i feel like there'd be booze beforehand oh. definitely and definitely hopefully some... during i hope it's that kind of place yeah let's right? go to beverly hills to get fitted yes like like it's a like a bridal thing yes. like you go and you drink cocktails and cheese I, i'm assuming they're gonna give us cheese and crackers I have cheese. if there's not grapes yes. i'm not gone if I can't actively eat something that's going to change the way my bra fits while I'm being fitted for my problem, I don't want to fucking do it. And therein lies the rub. I like it. I think I think that's a good challenge for us to do mm-hmm. in, uh, I'm not going to say 2020 because who knows, but like sometime, let's do that. Right now, I'm just, right. I'm like, hey, 2020, let's do November for sure. Yeah. And let's hit, hit yep. fall. Sounds good. Let's vote in November. That's it. <laughs> Speaking of voting, uh, yeah, political minute. Joe Biden. Uh, you know what? Sure, let's say Joe Biden, and let's get out the vote, and let's be enthusiastic. I know I'm not actually doing that right now, but I will be. Right. Uh, Joe Biden has said that he's going to have a female running mate. He has declared that. Uh, who his female running mate is going to be remains a mystery. I have a lot of feelings about the fact that he's just like pigeonholed woman here. Um, but that being said, it's really important that Joe Biden has a female running mate. Mm. It's wildly important. So I think that he should announce it now. He should announce I it agree. ASAP. I agree. Uh, do do I care who it is? Yes, very much so. Uh, do I care who it isn't way more? As long as it's not Amy Klobuchar or, like, Tulsi Gabbard, I am really enthusiastic. I mean, they've talked about a lot. Stacey Abrams is one of the big names. Uh, Elizabeth Warren is a big name. Tammy Baldwin is a big name, uh, who is in Wisconsin. I should definitely, yeah, Wisconsin. 
Um, you know, there's there's been a couple of really good names floated around. Somebody was like, Michelle Obama. And I was like, that's never, ever, ever going to happen. Michelle Obama is going to be like, go fuck yourself. No, thank you. I'm good. I have given. Michelle's like, I have done my time. I'm out. Um, which is fair. She's not a politician. She's she's real busy doing her own things. Um, I I just I, I want him to announce now who it's going to be and let's get the ball rolling. Is but you know what? Kamala Harris we, not? A, yeah. Do you think an option? Oh sure, yeah, sure. She might be an option. Yeah. I just sure. Let's say Kamala also. I, it's just like it's really hard to to make a decision. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Cause, and it, it could be somebody that nobody's that we, ever heard right. of. He might be like, my wife, Jill, will be my running mate. Like, I, I, I'm going to be less enthusiastic about that. I'm going to be, But yeah. she seems lovely. She seems you know, like she's she very smart. take care of she's a, she She's a teacher. Right. Uh, she's, she's, she's quite smart. Um, yeah, I don't know, dude. Like, I just feel like, let's go. It's time to move on. Uh, Andrew Yang is probably out there being like, I done told you motherfuckers we needed to give people money. Uh, Bernie Sanders is out there being like, I told you motherfuckers that democratic socialism was way to go. And Elizabeth Warren is going, I just want to keep telling you motherfuckers. I have so many plans. Um, but we ended up at Biden. So let's all rally behind Biden and get it done. That's my minute. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I have. That's the current oomph level I have about the situation. It will come back. I think, uh, and and maybe other people are feeling this as well, uh, let us know if you've got political stuff on your mind or if you're able to even think about it it, right now. I I, I personally, I am so, uh, you know, after everything leading up to Warren not getting the vote in California and then uh, Sanders dropping out, uh, which was just like, is there more air I have left to let out, actually, you know? Yeah. 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 And then with everything that's going on now in the media. That's a I great know. image on it. What? Do I have any yeah. more air to let out? It's a great image. Thank you. It's like those those well drug done. commercials like where you're just nothing but skin on the couch, you know, yeah. all plated. Yeah. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I've been, I haven't paid any Yay. attention to anything because yeah. I can't I can't run across this, that idiot's talking every day about coronavirus. I cannot. There's so many things that I just don't have the capacity to deal with currently that um, I feel like I'm missing a lot of stuff. And I agree. I think that if we got uh, a VP announcement now, it would reignite uh, my interest. Would reinflate you? It yep. would blow a little air in my ass. That's all yep. I'm asking. A little tiny air yep. in my ass. Thank you. And uh, I think it would also really show the commitment to we're going to do this. We're not waiting for right. the convention. We're not brokering deals we're we're moving ahead to to make a plan and start releasing their plans now you right because there's too much uh there's too many other things going on and and we need too much uncertainty too much fear i need to know what am i voting for yeah i just do it not not that there's any chance that i'm not voting for biden absolutely it would be great it, it would be great to just not feel like everything might blow up any moment yeah you know so any sort of research i can get from let's let's start showing the comparison right now trump is actively doing x y and z biden and vp will do a b and c and they're and and the people they work with have already done this and they've already done this and look at here's here's the cabinet that we're proposing here's our team here's our smart here's our hundred day plan Like let's do let's do all those things right now. Yeah, because I think I think if anything, this this administration specifically has shown us that we can't. 
it's not one person. It is a group. Uh-huh. It is a team. And the person in charge is bringing a lot of people with them. And it's time to pay yeah. attention to the whole team. And also, you got to hit the ground running. The idea of like, oh, we'll figure it out on the fly is not acceptable. Like, yeah. Concrete plans, let's go. I agree. And yeah. speaking of concrete plans, we are probably going to get little concrete things to put in our new walk-in uh, uh you know, plant thing that we bought today. Well, aren't you cute as fuck? I'm very excited. That is adorable. I love it. Um, Do you have anything to plug? I have, uh, the only thing I have to plug is if you haven't yet, uh, head over to candypresents.com and check out Enceladus. Uh, Short story. It's it's super spooky. It's super fun. Uh, There's also a playlist I think is mega rad. Get into the playlist. I find that it's a great working from home playlist. It is because it's mellow, but like, tense at the and same time so it keeps it. you focused yeah yeah it's yep. right. yeah um it's a great story uh i'm super unbiased um that's a lie i'm very biased but i also think it's a great story i read that might have been the best thing that i have read this year um oh, wow. Wow. i really i mean it, it certainly kept me going right. kept me focused right. and i like i was on tenterhooks all the way through Excuse so uh yeah i really i i strongly recommend everybody read it yay thanks I have nothing to plug. Nothing to plug. I'm not. I'm not doing anything exciting currently, other than breathing in and out and surviving. Uh, so send us book suggestions, yes. everybody. Uh, send us book suggestions and send us grab bag information. We are going to do a grab bag episode soon. So send us woo grab bag. Send us your uh, your stay at home friggin' rando thoughts, man. Yeah. Ask us. Ask us about how we're surviving the stay at home, and tell us how you're surviving the stay yeah. at home. Yeah, tips and uh, you know new stuff. Tips Turn us on tricks. to new stuff. Turn us on to new artists, new people to support, new local people to support if that's possible. Uh, or if you have someone in your area, we are uh, uh, Los Angeles based, but we are happy to share and and signal boost anyone in your community that you might want to shout it on the internet and say, "Hey guys, buy their yeah. stuff." They can, we can. Everyone can use the help and the support. So send us that at podcast at Gmail. Send it to us here on Instagram. Email us uh, or message us on Podbean. You can find us all over the damn place. I am uh, Candy Presents pretty much everywhere. Uh, we are Chachron Podcast. And Noodle is? Noodling around. Noodling around. Find her on the interwebs. Uh, stay home. Stay safe, guys. Yep, stay home and keep the line. Uh, Stay strong. Share women you admire with us, and we will chat about it next month. Okay, we'll see you guys soon. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye, Candy. Bye.